Hello and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast, your place for all the latest and greatest news and views about Blizzard and all their games and things like that. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers at Blizzard Watch, and I'm subbing in for Matt Rossi today, and I've got two co-hosts with me. First up, of course, we've got Alex Zebart, as always. Hi, Alex. Hello. How are you? Uh, I'm all right. Uh, kind of a busy week apartment hunting but uh, otherwise i'm good good and then our second fill-in coast our second fill-in co-host i'm sorry is joe perez who also fills in with us on lore watch he's our third host on lore watch so hey joe well hello there and you know thanks for having me along for the ride because which which coast are you joe are you which coast west? are you <laughs> i'm on the east coast you're on the east coast there you go i guess that makes me west coast so now that I've thoroughly mangled the introduction for the show, I think we should probably talk about the top stories. <laughs> <laughs> First up, last week, thankfully, finally, we were all just kind of waiting for it to drop. BlizzCon was announced, and it's going to be November 4th and 5th in Anaheim. Was that really only announced last week? It yeah. It already feels like it was months ago. I know, right? Well, How does time work? But I think that was, I mean, didn't they announce it earlier last year, too? Like, it feels like they waited a long time this year. They did. I mean, I think they, I thought that they announced it during, like, March of last year. I thought so, too. February, March, somewhere yeah. in there. I mean, it was it, way it was before tickets long. were available. And I mean, the weird thing to me is, like, we kind of already knew, because, like, if you looked at the convention center, you know, because if you happen to stalk that page that anybody does, I did. Um, you see that that week was just blocked out. And there was nothing scheduled. There was tons of stuff scheduled around it. So it was like, okay, well, this is usually when they have it. So I guess it was just kind of waiting for the official announcement. So I'm, I'm really curious just why they waited just that little extra time. I don't know. I know for me, it felt like it was going to be those days. Because if I remember right, wasn't the Hearthstone tournament stuff, Alex? Wasn't, weren't the finals for that announced as November 4th and 5th? I believe so yeah um the esports stuff all generally seemed well ahead of the actual blizzcon announcement uh they were all starting to announce their finals and their event schedules and, and the finals are always at blizzcon mm -hmm. yep so it was just we were kind of waiting i wonder if it was just one of those things that they just kind of forgot <laughs> anyway for those wondering yes some of us are going to be there again this year as always yeah um either they forgot or the esports teams were way ahead of everybody else involved in this. Also possible. Maybe. I don't know. They're kind of on the ball over there. Speaking of esports, this weekend we had the finals for the Heroes of the Dorm tournament and ASU, ASU Real Dream Team came in, swept the finals, and in fact, I don't think ASU, ASU didn't lose a single match no. in the entire tournament. The entire tournament. They just pretty much dominated the whole way through. Did you guys catch the finals? That uh, I didn't, but the whole uh, one team sweeping the whole tournament seems to be becoming a trend in Heroes tournaments. Um, <laughs> the the other weekend, I think it was, what was it, HGC? HCG? One of those. Uh, some Heroes of the Storm tournament in South Korea. Uh, MVP Black won it, and they, they, uh, they didn't lose a single match either. So it seems like in all of these tournaments, there's one team that's heads and tails above everybody else. Well, ASU, the thing about ASU is they came in second place last year, and when they lost, it was like, it was so close. At last year's Heroes of the Dorm finals, they went on, how late did they run? They were on till way late because they just kept going and going and going. And this year almost seemed kind of anticlimactic in comparison just because <laughs> they ran over the other team. Sorry, guys. Sorry, Texas. Arlington. But um, <laughs> they did. They ran over you like pretty thoroughly. Yeah, <laughs> it, was... it seemed like the presenters were really desperately buying time from what I saw. <laughs> I was hoping it would last longer. People on Twitter were still like there. There was the usual crowd of people going, why are there video games on ESPN 2? I don't understand what's going on. Where's my poker or whatever they usually show on ESPN 2? Yeah, I don't I know. I don't think that'll ever stop happening. Even if even if esports become a regular thing, I think you're always going to have the people like, why is this here? Because you still have people who say that about you still have people who say that about poker, right? Mm -hmm. Like this yeah. is a sport. 
you have people who say it about golf when it obviously it, it, you're hitting a ball with a stick. That's as sporty as it gets, right? And there, <laughs> you still see people like golf is so boring. That's not a sport. It very clearly is. So I don't think that'll ever go away. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I thought I, I watched it. I watched most of it. I tuned in a little bit late because there was a ball game going on on the other channel. And I kind of wanted to watch that. But um, my dad was kind of fascinated. Now, keep in mind, my dad, he turns 87 this year. So my dad, like, has no idea what any of this stuff is. <laughs> and he was just kind of watching it. My brother, he was asking me questions about the maps. Because he caught little pieces of it last year. Like, he caught the infamous going ham on the core moment from last year. <laughs> and that was one of the things that he asked asked me this year. Because when they br- brought up uh, Towers of Doom... One of the points of Towers of Doom is that you don't actually attack the core itself. You mm-hmm. capture objective points and they attack the core. And my brother's like listening to this explanation, excellent explanation. And then all of a sudden he kind of goes, but how are they supposed to go ham on the core? <laughs> he sounded so disappointed. I was like, don't worry, it'll be cool, I swear. For me, the interesting thing was like uh, when this was going on, explaining to my bosses why it was a thing we needed to pay attention to, Mm -hmm. because this is all new territory for them. Oh. (laughs) So it was kind of interesting to see how these people who have uh, done stuff like with like HBO Showtime and and, and other things like that, starting to actually view esports as a real thing. And it was kind of cool for me to kind of see that that light switch start to turn. It's like, wow, you know, this is kids really into this is like and adults and everybody else and it's It's really entertaining actually and then you know sometimes i wish i could for like a day turn off my knowledge of these games because i want to know if these present like here's the dorm are they actually presenting the game in a way that is understandable to people like when i look at the ui that they use um the way they present the information it seems like it's more cluttered and harder to understand than what's actually in Heroes of the Storm. Like, I was like, what? who's dead? Who's alive? Who has what? And I couldn't tell. And brother... they, they try to dumb down explanations. Like, okay, am I? do I know too much so when the information is gone, I'm helpless? Or is this actually helping people who don't know? Or is it actually confusing? My brother appreciated the explanation. Like, um, Gillyweed. Gillyweed explained Towers of Doom. And yeah. did so in such a way that it immediately made sense to my brother. And he's like, okay, this is what's going on here. And then later on, I think they were talking about the UI and they were explaining what the different stuff was displayed on the UI. He didn't get the whole, oh, the teams gain levels. Okay, that's what those numbers are. They aren't points. Right. Like he, Because he, he was looking at it from the standpoint of somebody that, you know, watches baseball, football, that kind of thing, where if there's numbers up there, if there's big numbers up there, that's how many points the team has. And whoever has the bigger number automatically wins. And that's not the case with heroes at all. So I kind of had to explain that to him, too. But he wasn't he wasn't yeah. quite sure what was going on. And then he realized that, like, the one thing that I appreciated was when somebody died, they actually showed the countdown timer as to how long they had to wait before they could come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they well, didn't that's... have that last year. Okay. Well, that's good because that's in the Heroes of the Storm. Like, when you watch a Heroes of the Storm replay or you watch... Uh regular here's a storm tournament the ui is big and clear and you can kind of see everything at a glance and maybe it's just because i'm not familiar with how standard sports really does this because it looked a lot more footballish or baseballish on espn it and... was but at the same time it wasn't because there were parts in there that were like my brother was like what is that what does that mean and i had to explain it to him and then there were points where he said what does that mean and i didn't even know the answer <laughs> yeah. you know I, it certainly Sorry, I... seems like the regular Heroes of the Storm UI presents this information better, and their attempts to make it ESPN-ish actually made it worse. Yeah, I was actually going to say that exact same thing, because I, I know the <laughs> people that were watching it that had no idea. They're like, this doesn't make sense to me in the normal context of what I'm used to. Yeah, my dad my dad did not understand a thing about what was going on. He was vaguely interested, I think mostly because it was pretty colors and there were people talking too fast for him to comprehend because he has hearing aids in both ears so he can't when people start talking really fast he just can't pick it up so he couldn't pick up the explanations even if he tried but he was kind of watching it and sort of fascinated and then eventually at some point he said 
Is this like when your mother used to watch you guys play that one, oh, that thing on the TV with the little mushroom guys that walked around? <laughs> I'm like, yes, it's exactly like that, Dad. Only it's everybody's watching it now. He's like, okay. <laughs> so I said, that's the appeal, Dad. <laughs> it's just that. You know what I'd love to see them do if they're going to keep, I mean, they're going to keep doing this with ESPN, but I'd love to see them do something that ESPN did years ago. And I'm talking like way, 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 way back. They had these like little primer specials before something would like big would happen, whether it was like a boxing match or uh, a baseball game or a football game. And like if it was a big event and they had this sort of it was like a 20 minute, almost like a primer preview thing, almost like a pre-show where they ran through and they were like, here are some of the common terms and what they mean. Here are things that you're going to see in here, you know, trying to bridge that gap. And I think it was like mid 90s they did this. I'd love to see them do something like that for esports where they have people explaining here are terms you're going to see. This is what peeling is. This is what tanking is. This is what a bush party is. This is, you know, this is what going ham on the core is, you know, things like that so that people who aren't familiar with it have sort of that, that buffer going into it. And I think that would be fantastic. And it, it, it would be Zoe an investment. She yeah. was really clear about that. Oh, absolutely. Thing. Yeah. I, I also wonder if um, there seemed to have been some programming confusion. Uh, originally, I think it wasn't the semifinals and the grand finals. Weren't they both supposed to be on ESPN2? Then yes. maybe like 24 to 48 hours beforehand, they're like, no, the semifinals are going to be on this other ESPN channel. ESPN Only the grand finals will be on ESPN2. Yeah, yeah, and ESPNU is like it's like collegiate yes. stuff, and um, I don't think that that's like a common channel that everybody has. We have it because my dad paid for all of the sports packages so that he could watch all of the baseball games his retired heart ever wanted to see in his entire life. So I mean, we had it, and I got a chance to tune into that, but I didn't see very much of that. Um, Clearly, they need EESPN. EESPN. You laugh. That might be a thing that happens. <laughs> That's terrible. Okay, so that I... was that was semi-serious. It wasn't one hundred percent a joke. I do expect something like that to happen. I would like to see that where you know you have here's a, I, I mentioned on Twitter when this was all going on that I would love. I would honestly, I'd love to see a Hearthstone tournament on TV because I mean it's like watching a poker tournament. Only the cards cards explode. You know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I would find that entertaining. I think that'd be kind of fun. But I'd also like to see, you know, League of Legends, Dota, all those other games out there that have the tournaments and things like that. Call of Duty, you know, why not? Why not just make a whole channel of the stuff? Because that would be fun. I think yeah, it'd be entertaining. In fairness, in fairness, being, you know, a guy who has the internet and likes these games, I can see all of them on Twitch. And I don't think that really needs to change. If I can watch it all on Twitch, okay, fine, whatever. But if it's going to be a TV thing, having a dedicated channel for it would be pretty cool. That would be, yeah, I'd be all for that. So moving on, a couple other notes with the news today. Um, the Illidan book is out today, and Joe has finished reading it. I am not quite done with reading it, but I'm finishing it up so I can write a full review for the thing. It will be spoiler-free, and you'll see it on the website in the next day or so. Um and again, if you want to purchase that thing, it's been released today. So if you haven't ordered it, you can go order it on Amazon.com or wherever, really. Uh, this one's a little bit different because it was written by a different author. But it, it, you know what? It's actually written by one of my favorite authors recently, too, William King. And he's been doing a lot of other IP stuff. Like he's done stuff for the Warhammer franchises, 40K, uh, and a bunch of other games. And he's a phenomenal writer. He has a really great concept of time. And I think that's one of the cool things is he's he's able to switch between past and present very, very, very fluidly. And he frames things really well. And he does a great job here with Illidan. And you can tell that when he wrote this, he actually knew what was going on. It wasn't like somebody handed him a, you know, an outline and said, Oh, here you go. These are your points that you need to talk about. And, you know, here's a couple of videos of the character and blah, blah, blah. It was, he knew what he was doing. I wouldn't be surprised if he put as many hours into the games as we have. And it, reading this book, if you have even a, a, a waning interest or a small interest in Illidan, uh, Legion, or Burning Crusade for that matter, it, this is I a was going to say, it, for people that are planning on playing a Demon Hunter, 
Oh, this yeah. is a oh, this is a good book to pick up because it kind of explains how they all came to be. Um, for people that wanted to know more about what exactly was the story of Burning Crusade, what was going on in the background while we were all off doing really insane heroics and all kinds of other stuff, what was what was going on behind the scenes there, what was Illidan up to while we were merrily running around Outland shutting things down, and the book kind of explains all of that from that perspective. And I really appreciate it for that because this is a story that we we should have had in Burning Crusade, but we didn't. And I'm glad that we've got a novel for it now. And I haven't finished it yet, but the stuff about demon hunters and how they're created and everything. Anybody who wants to play a demon hunter should probably read this book because it's pretty crazy. It's also very dark. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is probably <laughs> the a lot of darkness in this book. It's it, they don't pull any. But it reminds me of Vulgen Shadows of the Horde in which yes. that, you know, there's that whole it's a lot darker than previous books, I think. Um, anyway, Alex, you got any commentary on that? Haven't read it. Don't have it. Uh, therefore, I have nothing to add. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can't talk about a book I haven't read. Sorry. And then a couple hours before the show started today, uh, we got an announcement from Blizzard that the second Overwatch beta test is going to be this weekend. It is also the last Overwatch beta test. It's beta weekend. Um, it's an invitation-only thing, but you can check your Battle.net account, and if you've been flagged for it, you'll see it there you'll it'll be notated there and you'll be able uh, to get it during these this, this beta test i think it's a stress test sort of thing yes there's only certain maps available i think it's hanamura hanamura route 66 and nepal yeah and the tavern brawl thing is disabled and competitive play is also disabled so it's just get in there play do the normal stuff on these specific maps right they pretty much they want the specific maps tested and they're mostly interested in technical feedback, like how it runs on your system, um, how the beta servers are running, bug reports, game impacting hardware stuff, you know, um, not so much, hey, is this map balanced? That's not what they're looking for. They're looking for specifically, it's a technical stress test. But yeah, if you get invited, hop in, take a look, see what yep. it's like. I hear robots are really good, especially ones that transform. I think Raids is a fan of them. <laughs> Bastion's not as good as like he could be. Zenyatta is pretty crazy, but anyway, Bastion is um, ridiculous. He is. On. They oh, nerfed yeah. him. They nerfed him though, so he's not quite as ridiculous as he used to be. He was like one of my Back favorites then, though, because I could just like camp in a spot and shoot people. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I was an awful bastard player. I'm sorry. Apologize to anybody in the alpha. Okay, so uh, moving on, let's go ahead and get to the emails. We've got quite a few today. We've got a couple from Patreon, so we're going to go ahead and handle those first. First one is from Belmont. I kind of want to say Belmonte, like Del Monte, like the, but anyway, Belmont. That's what I'm going to say from Moonguard. Shout it out does, to Moonguard. It does look like Belmonte, but Doesn't it? I have an assumption it's Belmont, like Castlevania. Yeah. Belmont from Moonguard. Shout out to Moonguard. Hi. Um, and he says, with the transmog system, we're about to have more bag space than we'll know what to do with. Do you think it's time for the bank to be an account-wide container? It would be so nice not having to mail items between tunes and logging in and out constantly, driving your guild crazy in the process with notifications. I am on the fence with that one because even right now I, I, I've been toying around with it and seeing what I can make space-wise. Even then... I'm still having a hard time right now in, in the alpha find like keeping bag space. Like I thought I was like, Oh, all this stuff's going to be great. I don't have to worry about all these things that I have for transmog. I have filled my bank again. Oh God. Uh, it, there's so many things that haven't quite made it to the toy box yet or in the collections or, or whatever the case is. There's enough of those things in the game that if you're a collector, you're going to fill those up and then you're going to fill those up across all your characters and leave yourself with no bank space. I think it's getting to that point where that could possibly be a reality, but I don't think we're quite there yet. Yeah. Make uh, no mistake. I'm excited about the wardrobe and what that's going to do in terms of emptying out my bank and giving me more bank space. But I'm also fully aware that no sooner is that bank going to be empty than I'm going to find some kind of junk mm -hmm. to cram in there and fill it all back up again. <laughs> Go ahead, Alex. Uh, Rather than making the bank account-wide, I think they should leave banks as they are, but I think it would be nice to have, like Diablo has, a stash 
maybe a small stash where there's just a very small collection of items that all of your characters can use. Ooh, I could get behind that. I mean, it what would, would be, you put in there, though? I don't know. Um, crafting materials that you want to use on all characters, or I don't know. That, you can just you know, mail them, but eh. That's what I would be okay with. If maybe the uh, the reagent uh, bank was shared across tunes, I would be a-okay with that. Yeah, I think that would be useful. That I'd be okay with. Yeah, that particular tab in the bank. Maybe Blizzard has said in the past that they don't really like having an army of alts to fuel each other's trade skills, but that hasn't stopped anybody from doing it. They're just going to mail it. So mm-hmm. it, share it, mail it, whatever. My, my only concern is I don't think they should do anything that takes away storage. So making the bank account-wide and not increasing it would be silly, but creating a stash that is account-wide would be cool. Specifically for the reagents, that would be... that I'd be okay with that. And then, you know, you have your separate bank for all of the other useless stuff that you collect, like, I don't know, in-game books or rocks or quest rewards that you really liked. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I have a list. I have a running list of things that I'm probably going to put in my bank once they empty. (laughs) Trinkets that have cool effects but aren't I have a ton of those, yeah. So many of those. A lot of them left over from... um, I have almost all of the Argent Dawn trinkets and toys from the... Was it... The Burning the Crusade launch event, I think yeah. it was. The yeah. invasion with all the stones and the mementos and everything else you could get. Oh, no, no. This was the one before that. Oh, oh okay. yeah. And I'm not getting rid of those. Are you kidding me? I still have the tabard. I love you, the tabard. You can't get those oh, things yeah. anymore. So I'm just hanging on to them and hoping that maybe they'll make them toys one day. Back I when think... the Argent Dawn was cool. I know, right? And they aren't anymore so much. Well, it's more like they don't exist, but okay. We can just shake our fists at the sky and say, Tyrion. Anyway. They had, they had a way better tabard back then, too. They did. Yes. I love that tabard. Okay, so uh, moving on. Next question is also from Patreon, and this is from Digurs. Is that correct? I think. Sure. Anyway, Digurs asks, Hey, guys, I had two questions in regard to demon hunters. In the past, I've heard Rossi make the case that good, quote-unquote, warlocks simply cannot exist as the very nature of their magic is destructive to their environments. I was wondering if the same could be applied to demon hunters due to their use of fell magic. Like warlocks, is it is a quote-unquote good demon hunter an impossibility. Secondly, I'm wondering where the line is drawn between demon and demon hunter. They use the same school of magic and share certain demonic physical characteristics. It appears that demon hunters are even sent to the twisting nether upon death, just like demons. Is the difference simply in their allegiances? Demons align themselves with the legion while demon hunters do not? Thanks. Love the show. Deegers. Joe... Jump yeah. into this because you oh, read the book. <laughs> there's a there's a lot I can answer here. The the question Try is not how. To spoil uh, yeah, the that's book, but here, we're so going to talk about demon hunters. So we've learned we've learned a lot in in specifically in the Illidan book about this exact question. So I'm going to kind of half answer it. And I'm really really sorry because if I fully answer it, I'm going to ruin the book for you, and I don't want to do that because I don't know if you're going to read it. Or not. I hope you are. But there's stuff that we knew beforehand though, like we knew from. Um, well, just from Illidan, but also from Altru- is it Altruus? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff that we learned from him too. So I mean, there's stuff that we knew already. But go ahead, Joe. As far as the game goes, demons aren't necessarily bad. They're destructive by nature, sure, but they don't. It's all about how they align themselves. They have their own personal agendas. So if you look at it that way, you can have an army of demons that aren't aligned with the Burning Crusade that don't want to wipe out existence. They just want to rule the planet. It's kind of that that sort of separation. So it depends on what you qualify as good. I mean, do you want them to be, you know, super paladins of light? Well, that's never going to happen again. Do you want them to not take innocent life? We've already know demon hunters are kind of okay with that. They they don't just wage war in the middle of civilizations, and we've seen that in game. We've seen that in the in in the books. Uh, as far as what you can uncover in the game, we've seen that in the NPCs. So I don't necessarily think there's a, a a good or bad. I think they're just they're in that gray area. They just I think that's the best way I can really describe it. They exist in this gray area where they're neither good nor bad. They just are, and they just kind of do what their primary task is, which is hunt demons. I feel like. I feel like, in a way, um, demon hunters are kind of the next evolutionary step of the warlock. And I know this is probably going to, like, poke some sore people who are already <laughs> mad that warlocks are or demon hunters are kind of stealing from the warlocks. But the thing is, is it's 
it is. It's like another evolutionary step of kind of the same thing. Because warlocks, warlocks summon and harness the power of Legion. They study it and they use that magic in an effort to use the Legion's own weapons against them. Demon hunters take that one step further. And you kind of got this with Illidan when he kind of absorbed the skull of Gul'dan. And you got this with Altruism with the other ones that kind of talked about how they became what they were. They absorb the demon, basically. They they take part of that demon into themselves. And like with, in the case of Illidan, he's almost a demon in and of himself. Mm-hmm. That's what the skull, skull of Gul'dan did to him was, was it pretty much created a demon. It gave him the horns, the wings, all that other stuff. And in that... He's using, he's using the Legion's power against the Legion, which is, again, that's what the Warlocks are kind of doing. But there's always that line of temptation, and it's a line that Warlocks walk, and it's a line that the Demon Hunters walk, too. Because, you know, you go too far over that line, I've, you get too I've tempted. Always seen, uh, my, I've always thought that the Warlocks are more about the subjugation of demonic power. You know, they, they enslave demons. They want power over it. Yeah. Uh, they don't necessarily, you know, the demon hunters become part of that. They they take that power into themselves, whereas the warlock is more like, oh, I'm perfectly content to completely control it. I don't I don't want it to control me. I don't want it to be part of me. I will just make it mine to do as I want. Whereas the demon hunters just kind of wade into it. And you you can look at what is it, Leotheris the Blind, right? Uh, Leotheris the Blind in Serpent yeah. Cavern is a great example of this because he's you can see sort of what the demon hunters go through when they ingest that demon into them. It's they there's that struggle there it. even in his fight. There, there's I believe the ability is called Insidious Whisper. I think yeah. it is. And you can see where there's two lines of text in the fight where it's him and the demon that he's trying that that he's trying to be bound to, sort of arguing with each other and trying to vie for control. And that it, just in game terms, that's. You know, that's what demon hunters go through. That's that's sort of their thing. In a way, it kind of feels like warlocks, like I said, they study fell magic in an attempt to understand it, subjugate it, and then use it against the Legion. Whereas demon hunters are sort of, are sort of like the spies or infiltrators that sort of disguise themselves as the Legion yeah. in order and, to infiltrate and take it apart from within. Yeah, I think that's kind of um, when you said you're you're poking a sore spot. Uh, that's always the thing that has been strange to me about Southern Demon Hunter stuff is warlock. I think there could be this pretty clear delineation where warlocks are the magical approach to demons, and demon hunters are the more physical combat approach to demons. Yeah, but demon hunters are also taking these really cool like magic side of things from warlocks. It's like. Mm, they kind of took the cool stuff from warlocks and gave it to this melee class for whatever reason, when they could be two very different things, like a priest and a paladin. Yeah. You know? the, the the paladins, they have healing spells too, but they do very They both use stuff. the life, but it's two very distinct and different classes. Yeah, whereas the demon hunter's like, no, we gotta make the demon hunter cooler. Let's take the cool like magic spells from warlocks and give it to demon hunters instead. It just kind of... um. It feels like they're trying to go for that same delineation, the one between priest and paladin, but they haven't quite gotten there yet. And in making the demon hunter what it is, they kind of robbed the warlock of some of the cool factor to begin with. And, you know, maybe that's what happened with priests and paladins back in the day. But since the game was introduced with both classes, we never saw that in action. Who knows? Yeah, could be. Anyway, thanks for the question. Moving on, uh, we got a question from Alessander, who's written us several times, and this time around he's got a lore question, so Joe, I'm probably going to hand this off to you. <laughs> Alessander says, is it possible that when beings like Arthas and Sylvanas die the second time they go to the nether, they've become held there by fell energy and technically Arthas still is in the helmet? Just wondering, sad to think that they go to nothing. So that's... I hate I hate to say that it's going to be a sad answer, but it's going to be a sad answer. It's already been established. Uh, like Sylvanas is a great example. She's not a demon, right? Demons go back to the Twisting Nether. They're tied there. She she's not. She's not a demon. She's undead. She exists in a completely. Thanks to Chronicle, we know this. The planes that she's tied to are completely different than 
the twisty nether. Uh, so when she dies, and that's kind of like her whole big character hook, she's going to go to nothing. She's already seen the abyss. And it's yeah, the same you need thing to read Arthas. um Sylvanas Edge of Night. It's a free short mm-hmm. story on the website. It's available on the website. If you haven't read that, it specifically talks about what Sylvanas sees after she dies. And it's the same. Uh, it, that's a really great read. And it's the same thing for Arthas too, because he's not. He wasn't a demon. Like the Lich King isn't a demon. It's a tool of the demons, but he's not a demon. He's an earthly creation, so to speak. So his final death is completely different. Again, he's also tied to the necromantic spear. He's, he's, he's tied to the Shadowlands. He's not tied to the Twisting Nether. And for all we know, that Shadowlands, that abyss, that's where it exists. So is from what we know in game, from what we now know from Chronicle, unfortunately, it, they're, they're staring nothingness in the face. That's That's the sad reality of it. Okay. I think that actually covers it. And covers it quite nicely, except to say that... I still say that's super depressing. In a universe that has an established afterlife, you don't get to go. You well, don't get to go well, anywhere. You're we, just... talked about this. we talked about it on Lore Watch. It might not be an afterlife we know. This That could just be the gateway. We don't know anything about the Shadowlands or or any any planes of existence tied to that, really. We only know what we've seen from like the... De- uh, the the Death Knight starting area, yeah. and some little glimpses here and there. There could be an entire existence, an entire plane of existence that we just don't have access to. Well, we about. I mean, they've been pretty explicit. When you kill the Lich King, Arthas says he sees nothing darkness. Uh, I mean, if you're seeing, if it's all darkness, that's basically nothing. Uh, Sylvanas, they show there's she doesn't see anything. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that there's nothing. I'm trying to give them hope, Alex. I'm trying to give them no, hope. It's I feel so like de- I should. So depressing. I can't lie to them about this. I, I feel like I should point out, though, that, um, Alessandra, you said that they've become held here by fell energy. It's not fell energy, that's uh, necromantic energy, because they're part of the scourge and part of that whole decay death cycle. Um, it's got nothing to do with the Burning Legion at all. The only thing that Arthas has in common with the Burning Legion is that the Lich King was a creation of the Legion, but. It's not a fell thing. It's like they used necromantic energy, magic, whatever you want to call it, to fashion this creature. Um, so not really related to the Legion at all. It, he was just a servant of the, of the Legion at one point. And then he was not. And then we got a really good story about it. Demons can cast fireballs, but that doesn't make all fireballs demonic. Yep. Okay, uh, next email is from, I love this name, <laughs> from Juno Simi. Juno Simi is a level 100 troll rogue, of course, from Ghostlands. I instantaneously love you. Thank you for this question. <laughs> and he says, hey, watchers, I was going through some gear on my characters and saw the Timeless Isle armor tokens, and it got me thinking about Demon Hunters. Will Blizzard go back and add some gear to include Demon Hunters, or will they just include them from Legion going forward? Lastly, when Blizzard said that you would get all items from completed quests, how far back is that going to go? For example, my warrior did the epic quest chain that ended with getting the whirlwind axe, but I've entered it back in BC. Will this item be restored for me, or am I SOL? As an aside, I have seen some comments on WoWhead stating that if you get a certain GM, they will restore those items for you. Can anyone verify this? Keep up the hard work from a proud patron, Juno Simi. And we don't. Um... Alex, you want to talk about this? Uh, sure. The first one, will Blizzard go back and add gear to include Demon Hunters? Um, I could see them, like, if it's generic plate armor that's restricted to, you know, Paladin, Warrior, whatever. Except that they're uh, leather wearers. So they're leather. My apologies. I was going to tie, go into Death Knights next, which is why I said plate. <laughs> it's okay. Um, they might get added to, like, those specific tokens. Uh, will they get their own new tier sets? No. Death Knights didn't. Uh, I don't think monks did either. No, they, they didn't get any. They, they don't go back to old content and add gear for them. They demon hunters. They start at around like level 100 ish. They'll just get legion stuff. There's no reason they would add that to old stuff. Um, uh, how far back will the items go for the wardrobe? We don't really know, and we don't really have a way to test. We don't have uh, character copy yet. Can't copy characters or versus the alpha. You can only make new characters, so it's not like I can create a character that did 2004's Westfall quest. Like it, you can't do that. And if you try to copy uh, account data, which I tried to do, it completely crashes and corrupts your game, and you have to reinstall. So don't do that. Really? It's a bad <laughs> it's idea. Yeah, because like, I, wow. I, I saw this button popped up in the middle of my screen. I'm like, it's a copy account data. I'm like, 
wait a minute, is that their equivalent? Yes, of by copy, all means, do that. Copy characters? Sure. Why not? I'll copy my character data over from live to to alpha, and like, I push the button, and it's going, it's going, it's going, it's going, it's going, it stops going. What? And then the whole thing crashes. I go to open it up, won't load, won't load, won't load, won't load. I had to wow. uninstall and reinstall the whole thing. I had to do a manual scrub of all the leftover stuff. What? <laughs> okay, don't yeah. push that button. Don't push that so button, don't push folks. That don't button. push it. No matter how tempting that button looks, don't push it until they actually say, hey, character copy is available. Um, yeah, and so even there, then, I don't... actually just no way to test it. Right, and even then, I don't know if it's going to be able to test it because that character copy, I'm not sure how much it copies over. With your characters. Like, I don't know if it's going to copy over all of the associated achievements or all of the associated data as far as what they've got on what quests you've completed. If it does copy all of that stuff, then I'll have some clearer answers for you once I copy my rogue over because my rogue's done everything. Same with my hunter, yeah. I I think the other thing, too, is to keep in mind, and they've said this a couple times, they don't know how much they're going to be able to get uh, backported by the time live comes out. And that as Legion progresses, more stuff will be added. So I think they're focusing more on making a functional game uh, with functional characters that is ready for being shipped, as opposed to let's just make sure they get every item that they've ever had from the very first quest from, you know, 10, 11 years ago, which is not to say they won't do that. And I know that they're going to try as hard as they can, but it's that's a lot of quests. That's a lot of items. That's a lot of things. And they're. It's going to take time. It, you know, it just give them time and we'll see what happens. I'm hoping that we get everything back. I'm hoping that we get the pre-cataclysm stuff back too because I did all I got oh, lore, yeah. I got lore master like before cataclysm. Um which was not easy to do. <laughs> but it was fun. Uh as far as your first question goes, I I'm going to agree with Alex there. I don't think that they're going to go back and add some gear that is specifically demon hunter related because demon hunters they start at pretty much close to level 100 when you hop into legion with your demon hunter your demon hunter is established as coming into the game with legion just like uh well with death knights or and with monks you know they come into the game at that point in time that period of time and at that level so they don't usually go back and add gear or anything i'm wondering well i guess I guess it doesn't really matter now so much, um, but I'm guessing that Demon Hunters, it's just, you know, those old leather tier sets, they'll be able to use those. And they'll probably use the tier sets that have, like, that are specifically for rogues and feral druids rather than, like, healing druids, I'm assuming. Yeah? Probably, yeah. The only thing they usually do retroactively is add a class call to Nefarian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... And I believe Most that they've done one. that already. Yeah. 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 Demon Hunters do have one. <laughs> so Whoever's uh, in charge of Nefarian, already put in the work. <laughs> All right. Um, and then the next question, we've got greetings. This is from Drew Bob. Following up on Alex's breakfast topic about what happens to the artifact weapons after Legion, what do you think Blizzard will do, and what do you think they should do? Thanks. Alex, you wrote the breakfast topic. Yeah, what do I, what do I actually think they'll do? Um or I don't think we're going to use them past Legion. Uh, I, I, it's a Legion feature. I think it'll stay in Legion. I think it would be actually really boring if my Paladin was still using Ashbringer four to six years from now. Uh, that's insane to me. I expect it's going to be part of the plot of Legion, and then we will move on. I have a feeling that if they do anything, the appearances for your weapon... The appearances that you've unlocked, maybe they will add those appearances to um, your wardrobe. the wardrobe so that you can go ahead and transmog with those at some point in the future if you want to. Just because, hey, you know, if I want to make my weapon look like a flaming Ashbringer at, at will, that would be kind of nice. If after Legion is over, you know, people could do that. I think that that would be appreciated because really, Legion doesn't have a lot of weapons. <laughs> Other than those artifacts, and yeah. that's probably for the best, but at the same time, you know, you want to be able to transmog stuff. It seems kind of silly to me that they would add all of these really cool appearances and things like that and, and leave again, yeah. and never use them again. Um, okay, so moving on is from Yosir the Torin Hunter. Oh, Yoss, like Toss, Yosir. 
the Torin Hunter, or Yasser, Yasser? Yasser the Torin Hunter says, Hello, watchers, I have a couple of questions. First off, I was thinking about this recently because I cook as a hobby in real life. Could you ever see Blizzard releasing a Warcraft-themed cookbook? I understand not all of the in-game cooking recipes could translate into real life, either because the ingredients are illegal or imaginary, but with 240 plus craftable foods and drinks, I think that there's enough material for a loosely inspired cookbook. I know this is a silly question and I'm not actually hoping for one, but I'm curious about how people would react to such a product. I think they should reach out to all of those people who do Blizzard cooking blogs. Mm-hmm. Pay all of them, bring them on as contractors, have all of them make a cookbook, put it on the Blizzard store. I think Done. that'd be cool. Because there are. There's several blogs out there that do just that. I follow it. them quite a bit, too. Yeah. yeah and... <laughs> and not just for Warcraft. I mean, they make stuff for all of Blizzard's franchises. And they're awesome. Like, they make really cool stuff. Uh, some of it's tasty, some of it doesn't look so tasty, but all of it looks cool, and that's what counts. Yeah, and I mean, I've done like a couple of things like that, too, for the old website, where I cooked recipes that were kind of based or loosely based on stuff that we found in-game, just for fun. And it's actually kind of fun to do. I would I would actually get that cookbook. If that existed, I would pick it up, just because. Yeah, I, I, totally think, I think... I think that's one realm where it would be really easy for Blizzard to tap into the creativity of their community. I mean, yeah. just give give people a little money and they'll make an awesome cookbook for you that's going to sell really well. Not I... only will I buy that book, but if they give me a, uh, an apron that says, Kiss Me, I'm Pandaren, I will buy <laughs> that in a heartbeat with that book. And I, every time I cook it, I'll just, yeah, take my money. So Yasser's got a second question here, and the second question is, has there ever been a lore moment in any Blizzard game, any Blizzard game, we're not just limiting ourselves to Warcraft here, uh, that you disliked enough that if given a retcon pen, you choose to erase or rewrite it? If so, why did you dislike it? I look forward to listening to the podcast every weekend after it's released, and I wanted to say thank you for making my weekend brighter. Best wishes, Yasser. Oh, man. Retcon (laughs) pen. Joe, where would you take it? Ronan, I, I, I don't, I hate Ronan. <gasps> no, I do. Shut I've, up. Yeah, I've, I've, I've gotten yelled about this. I don't like him. I don't oh. like his character. I never have. I think he's too much of a Mary Ronan Sue. Got, Ronan got he's a up bad there rap. Worst. He is. He's up there. He's up there almost as he's maybe a shade worse than Thrall Ugh. when it comes to being a Mary Sue. I can't At, even believe uh, I'm still listening to you right I, now. I'm sorry. I think I think Alex might agree with me here. Or at least a I'm on bit board on with this, Joe. Ronan's yes. the worst. He's trash. They're terrible, terrible but people. And I, I loved Ronan. There's a million ways you could have done it better, though. You could have, you could have spread that love around and and given more characters better stories and more involvement than the time traveling mage that fixed every. No. Okay. His his raptor army and his magical. Twin to be fair. Jo- to be fair. I'm not talking about War of the Ancients Ronin, and I'm not talking about Night of the Dragon Ronin. Oh, you're not. So, I'm going be selective back to, with your. You're Ronin. not talking about the Ronin from all of the, the books. Ronin, right? I'm going back to the beginning Ronin, Day of the Dragon Ronin, the Ronin that was introduced, and he was like, he was the guy in the Kirin Tor that nobody really liked because he was way too reckless, <laughs> and he just couldn't give. I mean. He he just he didn't care. He didn't he didn't care what they thought about him. He 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 kind of cared in the sense that oh dear, I don't really want to get into too much trouble. But other than that, he was not like a respected member of the Kirin Tor, and he was really resentful about that, and he was really mad about that, and he wasn't you know when they gave him that task to go see what was going on in Grim Batal, they didn't expect him to come back. They mostly sent him because they figured, oh, this will get rid of him for good. <laughs> and then we don't that's have to so worry about Ronan trendy, anymore though. or think about him anymore. <laughs> that That's already on the road to uh, being a cliche. I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's a cliche, but I kind of appreciated it. And You're I liked a maverick, that. Ronan. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, liked, I liked that Ronan, though. When they brought him back in Night of the Dragon, I was like, Really? You know, that was kind of over the top and ridiculous. I wasn't a huge fan of the whole let's throw him back in time and all this other stuff. But at the same time, 
I just I appreciated Ronan for the fa- for the reason they asked him to become leader of the Karen tour. He didn't want to, but they asked him to come be leader of the Karen tour and he accepted because who else was going to do it? He didn't want that job. Literally anyone else. He's like anyone, anyone. <laughs> I just want to live in the woods with my wife and kids. Seriously, you're asking me to go, okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> he goes and he leads the Karen tour. But the reason that they asked him to lead the Karen tour was because he bent the rules like back and forth all over the place. And, and they figured, well, maybe, maybe these, these restrictions that we've placed upon ourselves, maybe that's not the best way to run the Kieran tour. So maybe we should bring in this other guy and just try a different tactic altogether. Did it work? Yeah. Another retcon option is Madone, but they've seemingly already done that without yeah. saying they have. Um, I'm still bitter about StarCraft 2, so like the whole thing gone. <laughs> I, you know what? You know what? I could get on board with that. I honestly could. It's um it was pretty bad. I like Beyond that, I don't know. There's a lot of little moments where I'm like, eh, this is kind of lame, but I don't know how many specific things I I can be like just to get rid of it immediately. I just want them to erase anything that they've ever done to Garona beyond, I'd say, mm, the end of the first war. Sure. Yeah. A little Corona's way into the second kind of war. At, at which point, you know, she was still just... The thing is, is like, up until they released the comic series, Garona was just a character. She was this assassin who nobody really knew what her motives were or anything like that, but you know, nothing had really been expanded upon that. She was just, she was, she was the half orc and she was kind of cool in that whole, is she a good guy? Is she a bad guy? We don't know. But the character that was presented in uh, last guardian, I really liked that character. And then the comics came out and it just kind of pooped all over that. (laughs) And it seems like every piece of material they've come out with since involving Garona has tried to make her, I don't know what they're doing with her, honestly. I couldn't tell you what they're trying to do with her. I, I, I don't know if they're trying to make her into some sort of quote-unquote strong feminine hero or whatever, but she was already that. She was already that back in Last Guardian, so why did you mess with that? Yeah. I, don't, I don't understand. I just don't. I, I have one last one that I would retcon, and that's from in-game, and that is the saltification, I don't have any other way to say it, of Magni. Because I hated saltification. <laughs> he basically turned into a giant thing of salt. But it, it was it's one of those things like I hated that. I'm just that imagining myth. them like letting the rams into the lower level of Iron <laughs> right? Here you go, guys. Have a treat. Like it was it was this noble idea. Oh, you know, I'm gonna activate these tablets and save my. It was kind people. of abrupt, wasn't it? It was very abrupt. And here's this like this warrior king who's been through so many things and so many trials and travesties and like for him to just get turned into like if you're gonna kill him kill him like i don't want to like retcon that necessarily but i would like to see him there were hints in one of the short stories that they released during cataclysm there were hints that magni's consciousness at very least was still alive and in there and communing with the earth and all of that and I would like to see that Magni come back. I would like to know what he learned. I would Listen. like to, because I imagine that what he's learned is a lot of the stuff that was revealed in Chronicle. And so, if that's the case, Magni's probably a powerhouse just waiting to be unleashed. And I'd all, like to see that Magni. All I'm saying is we have the Earthen Ring being reformed by these amazing shaman, best class ever. Uh, we have these amazing shaman that are reforming the Earthen Ring, that are communing with the Earth and getting things back in order. If that's really the case with them, that's a perfect opportunity to fix that mistake. Can you can the Earthen Ring fix the Stormwind Park, please? That'd be great. No, we're too busy uh, with the Maelstrom. Actually, uh, you bring up Magni reminded me. The thing that, one of the smaller things in the Warcraft story that really bothers me is what they've done with Ashbringer. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. The whole there was the whole mystery behind Ashbringer, like what is this thing made of and who made it and this and that. And they kinda of went the most boring possible path with it. Uh well they gave it to Tyrion Forgering for one. But they in the comic they kinda of put its origin like uh, Magni just made it by himself. It's like, Well, we know that guy. Like that's boring. Some dwarf yeah, made it. Yeah, but he forged forge. it with a thing, and we didn't really know what that thing was or where it came from. It was just found on an orc during a yeah, battle. Just so and they were like, mysteries. here, take this mysterious metal of or, of which 
the origins we do not know and make a weapon out of it because that yeah, sounds think, like a good idea. I think they seriously intensely implied it was like part of a Naru. Yeah, they they but tried to make it like oh this kind amazing of mystical crystal thing. Yeah, they kind of yeah. implied it when you go into Old Hillsbrad and and you go to um South Shore. Yeah. There's that whole scene that plays out where they have the crystal and it's like a void crystal, but the more light they feed into it, the more light it gets. Yeah. You know, I feel like it's almost like a topic that we talked about on Lore Watch when we were talking about the whole death life cycle thing. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Anyway, there were all these like big mysteries and like legend legends around it, and like, oh, what is it? Who made it? Where did it come from? And every step of the way, the answer ended up being the most boring one. Oh, Magni made it in Iron Forge. Well, I made lots of swords in Iron Forge. Okay, I made lots of Iron Forge swords in my day. And then the Ashbringer goes to Tyrion Forging, and now finally we get it in Legion. And uh, maybe this is something they plan to change, I don't know. There isn't a lot of fire involved in the Ashbringer in Legion. No, not yeah. so much. It, does, yeah. it doesn't do any fiery stuff. It shoots, like, light lasers and miniature versions of itself that looks like you're playing darts in a bar with a sword. But no fire. Where's my holy fire? That's what Ashbringer is supposed to do. It's called the Ashbringer because there's fire. Anyway, fix the Ashford. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've got time for one more question. And the next email that we've got, there's two questions. One's lore and one's not. And we're just going to take one of those because actually I think it's kind of pertinent to stuff that's been going on in the community lately. And I feel like maybe we should talk about it just a little bit. So um, email goes, morning noble pos- morning noble podcastians of blizzard watch which is an unusual title and i don't think we've ever been called that before ever and he says morning either he says this is axlos axlos blood decay of thrall and proud patron patreon supporter thank you axlos and he has two questions so the second question is the one we're going to get to he says having been a person like you fantastic hosts that played original wow all the way through current would you ever consider playing on a legacy server that was set in either the vanilla or bc time frame and is there a percentage of a chance that blizzard will ever create them with maybe some of the modern things like transmog and such included thank you okay guys joe did you play vanilla i have been playing since closed beta way mm. way way back when Okay, um, Alex, you've been play. I know you've been playing since day one. Yep, closed okay. beta. Would you guys ever play on a legacy server that's vanilla? Never again. I would not play on one full time. I would play on one from time to time. Why? Because uh, I want to experience the pre-cataclysm zones again. I-, I still have a fondness for them. I would like to see Westfall without a tornado in the middle of it. Uh, I would like to see those quests before a CSI pop culture joke. Dark Shore would be nice to see in one piece again. Uh, Ashen Vale without fire. But why not institute just phasing? Uh, why not... In addition to seeing those, um, I think every now and then I would like to see what, you know, play the classes as they were then. You know, Warlock that just pushes Shedable. That's fine. With the crazy talent play... trees and everything? Sure. Like I said, I would play it full time. I would never raid that way again. Ever. Not in a million years. <laughs> Go banish a Gar ad. <laughs> Unless it was like, you know, for funsies, you could go, oh, let's just raid Molten Core as it was this once tonight and not turn it into a whole thing where I need a raid schedule or whatever, you know, just having a level 60 on a vanilla server that I can do whatever with whenever I feel like it. I think that would be pretty fun. Uh, dedicating real time, like an extended amount of time to it. No, I never would. And Joe, your your answer yeah. was no, never, ever, ever in a million years. I, Why? I really, don't get me wrong, I love the zones, I love the stories, I love the content back then, and I would love to revisit that occasionally, but not on a dedicated vanilla server. And this is purely from a technology standpoint, and I'm going to preface that. In my 9-to-5 job, I work with servers all day long. I work with coding, I work with keeping things alive. The problem is, every single time a new piece of technology is released into the wild, whether it's a, a, a new uh, multi-switch, whether it's a, a multiplexer, whether it's you know a different code for handling UDP, IDP, TCP connections, anything like that, the old code doesn't gel well with it. And the amount of dev time that you would have to put into maintaining it to make stable connections is ridiculous. In if you've asked some of the people that have done private servers and asked them how much of their own homebrew code they've had to put in there, 
I'm sure they'll tell you that it was a ridiculous amount. And when things like IPv6 come out uh, and become a standard, uh, as well as like just just all these new technologies, new video cards, new processors, you're gonna have to start tuning things down. You're gonna have to start slowing things down. Uh, it to me, it's akin to at this point because it's been ten years. Technology has gotten to a point where it's almost like trying to cram a DOS game onto Windows 10. It's very difficult and time-consuming to make it work properly if it will work at all. Which and is while, really funny because those old games are so simple. You would, yeah, but it, the problem is, is things have gotten so complicated on the other side of the, the equation that it doesn't know how to read the simplicity. And I've seen this from a 9-to-5 standpoint in the fires that it causes. And I personally, I think that's part of the reason why Blizzard has stayed away from offering this as a like a standalone service is because the amount of time that they would have to put into it. Not only that, but the hardware that they would need to run it is going to be far older than what they currently have, which means it's going to be inefficient. Uh, and if you've ever worked at a data center, and, and I'm sorry if I'm babbling, techno-babbling here a little bit for some folks, but if you've ever worked in a data center, there's different states that you have to put your, your hardware in so that it can accept connections. And in order to maintain that, it becomes ridiculously hard. And as technology becomes more advanced, those older hardware become harder to find, more expensive to grab. And like if you uh, a disc dies or a, a physical blade goes down that you can't replace components. They kind of auctioned off all those old server blades. They did a lot of them. <laughs> but I guarantee you those old server blades aren't running now. And if they are, you can't replace them if they break. If there's a power Here. surge and something happens, you can't replace those components. Here's what gets me about all of that, though. Okay, so EverQuest did that thing where they launched legacy servers. They yep. did it. They straight up did it. They launched legacy servers. They launched EverQuest as it was when it launched. And over time, they're re-releasing the expansions on these realms, like as if it was for the first time, right? So like you start the base game, then you get the expansion that was released, you know, 15 years ago, a year later, or, or whatever. So EverQuest is doing it, and they they're, have done it. It's like a time and, warp kind of thing. In RuneScape, there were a, when, the game changed dramatically at some, at some point in time, right? So when it changed so much, players who love the original RuneScape were like, we're just going to have private servers of the game state as it was when we liked it. And they were really popular, just like these legacy WoW servers are happening. And the company that owns RuneScape was shutting them down, and finally they went, you know what? If people want to play RuneScape as it was in the year 2007, let's have two versions. Let's have 2007 RuneScape. And the 2007 RuneScape, I believe, is actually more popular than the current version of RuneScape. So these companies are doing it and doing it to great success. So why can't Blizzard do it? It's scale. I, it, I think it's purely going to be scale. Because how many players are really going to dedicate money to it? Like, And, that, and that's the other thing, too. Like, Are you going to pay a second sub to play on a vanilla server? Sure. Honest, no, we, but I might feed it with a WoW token. If that's an option for you. Like, and that's the other thing is it becomes like a lot of these other companies that are doing it are smaller and their games are smaller. Their player base is smaller. And, and I'm not saying that that's not a reason to do it, but it's the sheer scope of it. If you have three million people playing it, that's a lot more than a couple hundred thousand. And that load becomes a whole big thing to manage. It's it's all about the scaling. And Here's... honestly, we don't know enough. We don't know enough about, I guess, how they have things currently set up inside their data we centers. We don't know anything about the inherent right. costs you, or setup. Yeah. You don't want to award people that are doing illegal things. But at the same time, servers like Nostalrius fixed all of these problems and we're running these servers with, you know, volunteers. 100, 000, volunteers, 100,000 active players on a private server that a lot of people just can choose not to play on because it's a private server and that's illegal. Just pay these guys who've done the work and say keep doing the work and we'll take the profits. We'll give you a salary. We take the profits. You already did the work. You have the server running. No problems. Blizzard makes money. It, Maybe. It just feels a little bit, to me anyway. I mean, okay. Going back to the question at hand. Would I ever play on a legacy server? Um, Maybe. Not full time. I don't think I'd ever do it full time. But I think that the reason that I would do it is kind of similar to the reasons that Alex would do it. I'd love to see vanilla World of Warcraft again. I, I'd... I mean, updated. I wish I wish they would fix what the Cataclysm did to Azeroth. I get really tired of going into Ashenvale and seeing it on fire. I, I get really tired of going into Darkshore and seeing that giant tornado yeah. with the cows I, flying around. I get I really tired no... of looking at devastation every time I log into the game. And I miss the way things looked before. I, I really I... do. But the other thing that I miss 
sorry, Alex, I'm running over okay. you, but I want to finish what I was going to say. Sure. The other thing that I miss is I miss the feeling of a small scale community because you don't get that on servers anymore. If you want to go get a group, you like queue up to an interface and it auto plugs you in with a bunch of people you don't know. Whereas, you know, when you were in vanilla, was it harder to find a group? Oh, God, was it ever? You had to sit there and trade, chat, and spam, looking for tank, blah, blah, blah. And you had to summon people to the instance or whatever. Um, but at the same time, you really got to know the people on the server you were on. Like, you really got to know everybody that was on the server. You had people on the server where it was like everybody knew their name. Everybody saw them around all the time. Everybody did groups with these people, you know there was that sense of community that just doesn't really seem to be there anymore. Um, and I'd kind of like to feel that again. I, I don't think I'd want to play it full time just because I remember what vanilla was like. And I remember those days that I spent those long days that I spent in um, Fellwood farming plants so that I could raid. <laughs> but, yeah. but at the same and time, it'd be nice to see it again, you know? And all of this really does tie into what I think people are starting to notice as a problem with gaming in the digital age, uh, gaming on the internet, is when all of these games are 100% online, when they have rely on servers, when they can be mm -hmm. patched to being unrecognizable, um, your memories go away when the servers go down. Um, like, you know, you have a favorite Nintendo game from when you were a kid, you can play it. Go dig out an NES. You, they'll still work. You can put in Super Mario Brothers, play it with your kids or your, you know, with children somewhere, or just for the memories. You can put in Super Mario Brothers and you can play it. I have one Anything, in the attic with Duck Hunt. <laughs> there you go. Um, I still like even more recent, like PlayStation Two. You can still this is the PS Two era. I have my PlayStation Two in the closet. I can play my PlayStation Two games if I choose to do so. Uh, anything in this in the current decade or anything in the last, you know however many years, it's all online. You play these games, they're gone forever. Uh, Vanilla WoW, uh, you can't do it anymore without doing something that Blizzard is going to shut down because they don't approve of it. You it's can't illegal. play. You're not supposed to do it. Uh, you know, uh, Halo, like a lot of the older Halo titles, they just don't have their online components anymore. They can't, you, you can't play the, any, you can't do multiplayer with your friends or whatever because there's no servers anymore. That's crazy. You know, you can pull out your SNES titles. They're going to work as long as there's an SNES. Uh, or be, you can play on an emulator. Because that's yep, I have private retro, servers. I have, I have a RetroPie, yeah. So, so, but when it's all online, uh, it's gone. It's just gone. And I think people are realizing that's an issue, slowly but surely. Well, and, and I think that's uh, unfortunately an, almost an inevitability of where gaming wound up moving to, right? And it's a sad thing. It really is. And I agree with everything you guys are saying. And and there, I do miss the sense of community uh, from back then. Everybody knew each other. Like, it was the same PvPers. It was the same, you know, raiders that would, you know, congregate at the same rough times or the same people that would go into dungeons together. And, you know, I made a lot of good friends during that time frame. And I have a lot of great stories and I have a lot of great memories but I also feel that part of that problem is it was just that time and that age as well. And I don't know if everything that's happened, if you can capture that lightning in a bottle again, I don't know if putting a vanilla server up would give everybody what they're looking either. Like, I would love to see the old stuff. I would love to, you know, be able to, to chill out with Magni again and just be like, yo, what's up, man? But I can't, and, and that does bother me. But I also know that, I'm not going to have my old PVP partner because, you know, unfortunately he passed away 10 years ago, you know, and found out through the community because it was so tight knit that it's just, it's all shifted. And those memories just, I have those memories and I don't know, like I said, I just don't know if that's recapturable. I don't so, know if just putting those up would be, you know, that same gravity. So here's my question and we do need to wrap up the show, but here's, here's my final question about this. Obviously, Blizzard went in and shut down that server. And like I said, everybody's been talking about this over the past week or so. Um, and they were, you know, they had every right to shut down that server. The people that were running it were doing something that they weren't supposed to do. And it's common known thing. You're not supposed to run private servers. Blizzard has shut them down before. It was only a matter of time before they shut down this particular one. But the community seems to be 
speaking out about this a lot more than any other prior legacy server, private server, what have you, than I've ever seen and before. I've seen some notable people uh, speaking out about this. Um, right. People, so I mean, it has it... a lot more reach. Like uh, JonTron, if you know who JonTron is. Yeah, I yeah. do. He was apparently playing on Nostalrius. He made a video about it. So what I want to know is... Has it gotten to a point where maybe, I mean, yes, Blizzard was within every right to go ahead and shut down that server, but has it gotten to a point where maybe Blizzard should be paying attention to what the community is saying about this and taking note of it and possibly considering doing legacy servers themselves? I would say that maybe another option is the people who want to put these up, maybe actually take the time to approach Blizzard and, and you have, the, like what you're saying, you have the reach, you have the clout now, you have these people that have this sort of power, and see, sit down with them and say, look, here's the community, you know, looking for this. What will we have to do to license an option or work with you to get something like this? Make the offer. Don't just, I think the problem is, is that there's two camps, right? There's the way of doing it the right way, and then there's the way of doing it where it's sort of like. But there isn't rating. a right way. That's the point. Is well, like I mean, it doesn't matter because this is not sure. allowed. Is this something that Blizzard should allow? Is this something that they should incorporate themselves? I what will do you say, feel about that. I will say that they should consider it. Alex, what about you? I think they absolutely should consider it. But um, uh, the last time they said anything about it, they pretty definitively said no. And uh, I think they they phrased it in the most obnoxious way they possibly could have where they said you think you want this but you don't like you i don't think but you can the tell point people. is these thousands of people that were on this server obviously do because they've right been doing it that's that that's what really got me about the response you think you want it but you don't well I think maybe the, the community saying something else you know yeah. i mean the evidence says they do okay well, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your questions answered on our podcast through the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Do you guys have any final thoughts? None here. Goodbye, everybody. What about okay. you, Joe? Thank you, everybody, and thank you for having me on the show again. Thank you for filling in, and thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week. 